Our first Bible reading is Psalm 104, and you've got one of these black Bibles. It'll be on page 546. Psalm 104. My soul, praise Yahweh. Lord my God, you are great. You're clothed with majesty and splendor. He wraps himself in light as if it were a robe spread out, the sky like a canopy, laying the beams of his palace on the waters above, making the clouds his chariot, walking on the wings of the wind and making the winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He established the earth on its foundations. It will never be shaken. You covered it with the deep as if it were a garment, The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they hurried away. Mountains rose and valleys sank to the place you established for them. You set a boundary. They cannot cross. They will never cover the earth again. He causes the springs to gush into the valleys. They flow between the mountains. They supply water. For every wild beast, the wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky live beside the springs. They sing among the foliage. He waters the mountains from his palace. The earth is satisfied by the fruit of your labor. He causes grass to grow for the livestock and provides crop for man to cultivate, producing food from the earth, wine that makes man's heart glad, making his face shine with oil and bread that sustains man's heart. The trees of the Lord flourish, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests. The stork makes its home in the pine trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The cliffs are a refuge for hyraxes. He made the moon to mark the festivals. The sun knows when to set. You bring darkness and it becomes night when all the forest animals stir. The young lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises. They go back and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labour until evening. How countless are your works, Lord. In wisdom, you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, vast and wide, teeming with creatures beyond number, things living, both large and small. There the ships move about, the Leviathan, which you formed to play there, All of them wait for you to give them their food at the right time. When you give it to them, they gather it. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your breath, they're created and you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He looks at the earth and it trembles. He touches the mountains 
and they pour out smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God while I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him. I will rejoice in the Lord. May sinners vanish from the earth and wicked people be no more. My song, praise Yahweh. Hallelujah. Our second reading tonight is from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, starting at verse 12, which is found on page 1085 in the Church Bibles. Therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, accepting one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, put on love, the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of the Messiah, to which you were also called in one body, control your hearts. Be thankful. Let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, nice to see you. My name is Paul. Uh, this is one of, our, my, one of my favorite uh, services of the year when we stop and we give our thanks and gratitude back to God for all he's done in our lives and our church over the past 12 months. Uh, let me just begin by a, a quote for you. It's a, it's a much shorter sermon tonight, about a 15-minute sermon and a much longer period of open encouragement tonight. Uh, this is a quote. Gratitude is an offering precious in the sight of God. It's one the poorest of us can make and be not poorer but richer for having made it. Let me say that again. Gratitude is an offering precious in the sight of God. God loves it when we express our, our gratitude and our, our thankfulness. But what does it cost you? What does it cost you to say the words thank you? Even the poorest person here tonight can stop and say thank you to God. What's the benefit of that? Well, you're much richer having taken the time to thank your creator. That's where we're heading tonight, that the benefits of having a grateful heart, the, the benefits of being a thankful person. You ever met the person who always seems to be thankful for something? It's attractive, isn't it? It's beautiful. It's biblical. I think of people in this church who, when they're going through the the darkest seasons of life, when life is tough. You sit and chat to them and there's still something that they're, they're thankful for. There's still a gratitude in their hearts. I want to say that uh, gratitude or thankfulness is actually a mark of being a Christian. Any man of God or woman of God should have a, a grateful heart. Uh, look at our verse from Colossians chapter 2. It's on the screen. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. What it's saying there is that if you are saying that you are 
walking with Jesus your Lord, there was a moment in your life when you received him. At that moment when you believed in Jesus, you heard the call of God, you repented, you accepted Christ as your Lord and your Savior, but your Christian life didn't just stop there, did it? Uh, The Christian life is about that daily walk with Jesus. You wake up tomorrow and the next day and you, you do life with Jesus. He's your Lord, he's your Savior, he's your everything. And the Christian man or the Christian woman is rooted in Jesus. They're grounded in their faith. They love Jesus. And, and they're growing in Jesus, and they're establishing their faith. They're rock solid. They're, they're firm in their faith in Jesus. And what's that last phrase? An overflowing with gratitude. And the word for overflowing there is literally is bubbling over, uh, like the, the water fountain that you just cannot stop from bubbling up. And it's saying there that if Jesus is Lord of your life, when people talk to you, when people see you, they should spot a person who is filled with gratitude. Not grumbling, but thankfulness. I've got three E's for you tonight. The first E is this, the expectation of gratitude. The expectation of gratitude. You see, being grateful, being thankful, is not an optional extra. It's an obligation. It's part of what it means to be Christian. Do you know how many times in the Bible that there's a command given to be thankful? 130 times, over 130 times, God says, be thankful. Give thanks. He's commanding you there that your heart should be one of gratitude and thankfulness. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. In the good times and the bad times, you give thanks. We've just had uh, Colossians 3 read, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In your workplace, in your studies, in your family life, in your friendships, give glory back to Jesus. Give glory to the Father through Jesus, but make sure your heart is overflowing, is bubbling over with gratitude. Psalm 107 verse 1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. You might not feel that, but that's the reality in your life, that God is still good. So give him praise and give him thanks. And you're probably here tonight saying, oh, Paul, that's not my personality. I'm more of a glass, empty kind of person. Gratitude is not a personality thing. It's it's a Christian thing. It's the mark of the man and woman of Christ. Look at the verse again. If you're walking with Jesus, your Lord and your Savior, you should be overflowing with gratitude. It's actually the mark of the the spirit-filled person. Uh, Ephesians 5 says this, Do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. How do you spot the person who is constantly being filled with the Spirit? Well, the next verse tells you that you speak to one of the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You, you sing and make music in your heart, and you are overflowing with thankfulness. Now, if, you're, if you're walking closely with Jesus, the, the Spirit is at work in your life, you'll be known as a person marked by gratitude. As a mathematician, I I like sort of mathematical equations. Here's my my equation for you. 
that your gratitude is directly proportional to your love for Jesus. The more you love Jesus, the more grateful you become. The more you love and know Jesus Christ, the more your heart overflows with thankfulness. Uh, And the reverse is also true. The less you focus on Jesus, the more you grumble. The The more you take your eyes off Jesus and onto the world, the more you start to complain and whinge. I wish I had this. Why can't I have that? And you start to do what the Israelites did and do the comparison game. They have that. I haven't got that. Life's not fair. Uh, someone once said, um, let me get this quote right. I used to think that people complained because they had lots of problems. I now realize people have lots of problems because they spend their whole time complaining. You see, grumbling is a spiritual thing. The more you love Jesus, the more grateful you become. The less you love Jesus, the more you grumble. The less you love Jesus, the more you take things for granted. Do you ever wake up and think of all the ways that God has blessed you? The fact that you wake up in a bed every day with a roof over your head and food in the fridge and food in the cupboard and the fact you've got a job to go to and the fact you've got friends or family or good health or at least some health or health care. Or do you ever take all those things and turn them to gratitude or do you just take it for granted? Our brothers and sisters in America have just celebrated Thanksgiving Let me quote from Abraham Lincoln. This is uh, speaking to America. He said, We've been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We've been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We've grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has grown. But we have forgotten God. We've forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace. We've forgotten the gracious hand who multiplied and enriched and strengthened us, and we vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom of our own. And you take your eyes off God and you start to take things for granted, or you start to think that you've actually contributed. The expectation of gratitude. Number two, the expression of gratitude. What does it look like for the man or woman of God to express their gratitude? Two ways. Firstly, your, your private prayer life. Think about the time on your knees with your heavenly Father. Just, just you and God. No one's watching. No one can hear what you're saying. How does your want list compare to your gratitude list? What's the length of the things that you think you really, really need compared to the length of the things you actually thank God for? Remember Daniel? Daniel, the man who's in exile, the man whose life is on the line. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10 says this, when, when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, that is for his death, he went into his house and uh, the windows is up a room open towards Jerusalem and three times a day Daniel got down on his knees and he prayed and he gave thanks to his God, just as he always did. And you imagine this, this man who knows that his life's on the line. And I imagine that I would be there saying, please spare me. hope it won't be too painful. But he's there thanking God for things. And I know people like that. 
their, their personal prayer lives are marked by gratitude and not just what they want. Uh, the Apostle Paul is another great example, isn't he? So even when he's writing to Christians who have hurt him and to churches that are completely messed up, how, how does Paul start his letters? Like take, take Corinthians, the most crazy messed up church. He starts off by saying, I thank God every time I remember you. That's amazing, isn't it? See, my default position, when, when somebody has hurt me or I think they're, they're, um, they're walking away from Christ or disobeying Christ, I don't thank God for them. I'm just pleading for them or I'm grumbling about them. But Paul's heart, his attitude is one of gratitude and thankfulness. So how is your private prayer life? How much time do you spend on your knees actually just thanking God for who he is and what he's done? So that's one expression, your, your, your private prayer life. What about your public praise? The Psalms are full of gratitude. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. My soul, praise Yahweh. All within me, praise his name. You know when we sing 10,000 reasons? The bit that gets me every time is um, you're, you're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I will keep on singing. 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. You know, when you, when you sing songs about God's love, God's compassion, God's kindness, God's faithfulness, God's mercy, God's justice, God's judgment, doesn't that just sort of warm your heart? You see, you see, public praise, public singing is part of being marked by the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to God. One of the great beauties of public singing, public praise, is that there's times in your Christian life when you find it really hard to be thankful. Do you find that? And you walk into church and you, you see the words of the song on the screen and, and you're forced to ask the question, do I believe that? Can I sing that? I remember being here in church, gosh, it's three and a half years ago. So uh, my wife, Rachel, was at North Shore. She'd gone into labor at 29 weeks with Nathaniel. I walked into church on a Saturday night, and the song that we were singing was, It Is Well With My Soul. When peace like a river. And it goes, when, when sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you've taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I thought, I can't sing that. I just could not sing that. But I could listen to other people around me singing it. I was thinking, I know that is true. I just don't feel that at the moment. And you might be here tonight and you're thinking, I'm not particularly grateful. I'm just full of pain and hurt. Well, the songs that we sing will teach your heart and warm your heart. Say, this is true. I just don't feel it right now. It's John Piper that says that thankfulness with our lips leads to thankfulness in our heart. When you actually express it, it starts to take root in your heart. And it changes you. So we express our gratitude in public prayer life and in, sorry, private prayer life in public praise. So gratitude is expected. Gratitude must be expressed. And my last E for you tonight is this. Gratitude should be extravagant. 
please don't give Jesus a, a token thank you. Do you know when uh, you're writing a thank you card to somebody, and I think the English are actually better at writing thank you cards than Australians, but you, know, you write a thank you card, but it's kind of it's done on the run. No thought behind it. Just write a quick thank you. When you stop and think about all that God has done for you, it shouldn't be the, the, the afterthought. It should be this extravagant, this overflowing kind of gratitude. Let me read from Luke chapter 7. Here's the woman who was so grateful to Jesus. Luke 7 verse 36. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table, and a woman in the town, who was a sinner, found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, and she bought an alabaster jar of fragrant oil, and she stood beside Jesus at his feet, weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the fragrant oil. And the Pharisees who invited him, saw this. He said to himself, this man, if he was a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is and who is touching him. She's a sinner. I love this woman because she had just an overflowing, extravagant love for Jesus. What would cause a woman like that to give her most costly, most precious possession and smash that perfume over Jesus' feet and wash his feet with her hair? What prompted her to do that? She was so overwhelmed at how much Jesus loved her. And because of that love, she was willing to express extravagant gratitude and thankfulness. And my challenge for you, Church by the Bridge, and for me, is that the more we know Jesus, the more grateful we become. Don't give him a token thank you. It's your whole lives lived in gratitude. The decisions that you make the way that you speak, the people that you hang out with, the people that you care for, is always, always an expression of your gratitude to Jesus. So my three E's is expected, you express it, and let's make sure it's extravagant gratitude. Can I ask you to do uh, one thing this week? Here's my challenge for this year for thankfulness. Go home, grab a piece of paper, set aside just an hour, just one hour. Put three columns on a piece of paper. Column number one, the benefits of belonging to Jesus. Just take 20 minutes and write down all the benefits of, of knowing Jesus. Forgiveness, adoption, redemption, the Holy Spirit, resurrection, eternal life, family. What are the benefits of belonging to Jesus? And then turn those into praise. And gratitude. Uh, column number two. All, all your blessings. All, all the material things that you're really, really thankful for. The people that God has put into your life. The house that he's given you. The friends he's given you. The job he's given you. The clothes on your back. Whatever it is, write down all the way that God has blessed you. And turn those into prayers of gratitude. Here's column number three. Column number three is the hard one. The burdens. The burdens. What are the hardships, the pains, the trials 
that God has taken you through, that God is taking you through. Write them down. And then stop and think, how can I praise God in this? What can I thank God for in the midst of this? As you look back on past burdens and past trials, you'll see the way that God grew you through them. So turn that back into praise as well. Can you do that? The benefits, the blessings, and the burdens. And let's turn that into gratitude. Because we've got a God who is worth praising, haven't we? We've got a Savior who is worth expressing our thankfulness to.